Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Early in the pandemic, Reverend Beth, Cam, and I were walking at Cape Cod Bay Beach at low tide when far ahead of us we spotted something strange in the sand, a, a black lump. And then as we came closer, we could see that it was a bird, a loon, a common loon. Common but uncommon. By my lights, loons belong on lakes in Maine. But it turns out that's only a small part of their story. Common loons migrate from northern lakes to coastal ocean waters, both Atlantic and Pacific. This poor fellow had been blown out of the sky, and now he was hunkered down in a cold, steady wind. He didn't even stir as we approached, but he was alive. We ran for a blanket and a wheelbarrow. Kem bravely dropped the blanket over him and gently scooped him up, avoiding his sharp bill, though she needn't have worried, he was utterly docile. We wheeled him off the beach in the wheelbarrow, our loon baby. He was gorgeous, his intricately patterned black and white feathered body, perfect black head and red eyes. We tucked him into a cardboard box, closed the flaps, loaded him to a friend's station wagon, and off they went to wild care, a sanctuary for rescued birds. And then I began to fret. It's always great to have something to fret about when there's a huge thing to fret about, about which you can do nothing. The entire world was in lockdown while a deadly pathogen raged, and I was fretting about my loon. What happened to him? Was he going to live through the night? Could he survive being released back into the wild? I held off as long as I could, and then that evening I called wild care. They said, he's a boy. He's skinny. He's dehydrated. They'd gotten a lot of Pedialyte into him using a syringe. They said, we'll have to wait and see. All night, I fretted. The next morning, I called wild care. Yes, he was alive, and in fact, at that very moment, he was swimming around and around in their indoor pool. Filled with gratitude, I wrote a check to Wild Care and put it in the mail. Not long afterward, he appeared on their Facebook feed, plumping up in rehab and readying for release. Duly noted, not one moment of my fretting made a difference to his survival. What had made a difference was getting him to help, and then it was out of my hands, period. I forgave myself my fretting. It came from caring. But I could also see clearly that would have been much more helpful and certainly more pleasant would have been to practice acceptance. 
Fretting is, as we say in Zen Buddhism, extra. The instruction is nothing extra. This is Mennonite minister, Reverend Sherry Hostetler's poem, Instructions. Give up the world. Give up self. Finally, give up God. Find God in rhododendrons and rocks, passers-by, your cat. Pair your beliefs, your absolutes. Make it simple. Make it clean. Examine all you have with a loving and critical eye. Then throw away some more. Repeat, repeat. Keep this and only this, what your heart beats loudly for. What feels heavy and full in your gut. There will only be one or two things you will keep. And they will fit lightly in your pocket. No fretting. Nothing extra. Just acceptance. Indian Jesuit priest and psychotherapist Tony DeMello tells this story. A man who took great pride in his lawn found himself with a large crop of dandelions. He tried every method he knew to get rid of them. Still, they plagued him. Finally, he wrote to the Department of Agriculture. He enumerated all the things he had tried and closed the letter with a question. What shall I do now? In due course, the reply came... We suggest you learn to love them. Love is the high ropes course of acceptance. But maybe if, say, your neighbor is a hard person to love, you could start with acceptance. Accept thy neighbor is entry level. Love thy neighbor. Oh, impossible, you say. I know. Remembering that the longest distance is between the head and the heart. Here are some things we know about acceptance, although it may mean setting out on that longest journey to really know them. Acceptance is a spiritual practice. Acceptance does not mean that something is acceptable. It may be completely unacceptable. Acceptance doesn't mean we need to want it or like it, let alone choose it, endorse it, or support it. But to refuse to accept the truth of what is only adds suffering to our pain. To resist what is is extra and burns up energy that could fuel change. To accept is to create space for the truth. Therapist Megan Bruno reminds us that to accept is a verb. It happens. And it keeps happening and it has to happen again and again. Acceptance can be frustrating to the point of exasperation. It's a muscle we build. It can require Herculean effort. And only when we accept that something is unacceptable can we begin to change it. Many of you know that this is step one in the 12 steps of recovery from addiction. From the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, 
we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. That chapter begins, who cares to admit complete defeat? Practically no one, of course. Every natural instinct cries out against the idea of personal powerlessness. It is truly awful to admit that glass in hand, we have warped our minds into such an obsession for destructive drinking that only an act of providence can remove us. No other kind of bankruptcy is like this one. Alcohol now become the rapacious creditor, bleeds us of all self-sufficiency and all will to resist its demands. But upon entering AA, we soon take quite another view of this absolute humiliation. We perceive that only through utter defeat are we able to take our first steps toward liberation and strength. Our admissions of personal powerlessness finally turn out to be firm bedrock upon which happy and purposeful lives may be built. The trick to acceptance is to practice it over and over and over and so lay down the neural pathways in our brains until it becomes a habit, until rather than throwing up resistance, we open to its lessons. Acceptance is detaching from outcomes, but it is not apathy. It is not giving up, rolling over, and playing dead. We can accept things exactly as they are and still want to change them, work to change them. American theologian Reinhold Niebuhr's serenity prayer begins, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Finally, it helps to remember the truth of impermanence, that everything, in fact, does change. When my friend Sylvia had four kids under the age of five and a half, she painted a rafter across her kitchen ceiling with a Hebrew phrase that means, this too shall pass. For years, I've loved the story of author and teacher Dr. Richard Moss, Spiritual Awakening. Dr. Moss had traveled to Lone Pine, California to meet American mystic and esoteric philosopher Franklin Merrill Wolf. Just after his 30th birthday, he was sitting in a cafe, sipping coffee, and scanning Dr. Wolf's book, Pathways Through to Space. When, he says, all at once, the words began to dance on the page. As I looked around, everything seemed alive with energy. The very air itself was on fire with radiant light, and my body felt like an atomic reactor gone wild. I left the cafe and headed up a country road toward the mountains, he continues. A shimmering brilliance pervaded everything, and I began to dissolve into the world around me. I and the world out there were almost indistinguishable. The part of me that was observing all this was trying to regain control and thus resisting the process. I became afraid. My medical school mind offered a host of distressing diagnoses. I could feel my heart pounding. I tried to breathe deeply in order to center myself. 
I found nothing I had learned gave me any authority over this experience. I told myself to let go, but then I began to dissolve even more and the fear became overwhelming. Dr. Moss remained in this state uninterrupted for four or five days. He says, I was standing at the edge of an abyss, afraid and unable to let go, yet too anguished to remain where I was. He called a mentor who said he was not gifted enough to help him. I knew then, Dr. Moss says, that while I was loved and supported, I was also on my own. This proved to be a crucial turning point. It was a transformational journey, a radical opening. And finally, finally, he reached a state of resignation. He says, I had done everything I could think to do. All that was left was acceptance. I vowed to myself that I would live one moment at a time and even if I knew nothing but this misery, I would learn to be grateful. All that was left was acceptance. Acceptance and gratitude. Dr. Richard Moss went on to become a great spiritual teacher. Let's end with this extraordinary story. On the night he almost died, Zach Sutterfield felt like life was just beginning. And maybe it was, though in no way how anyone might have imagined it. He was 2018 at the start of his junior year at Texas State University. Zach was asleep on the couch in a friend's second floor apartment when suddenly it was engulfed in flames. He escaped and survived, but his terrible burns were extensive and disfiguring. 32 surgeries later, with more to go, he is relearning how to do almost everything. When Zach faces the inevitable stares and whispers out in public, he says, I try to break the weird, awkward moment by giving people a compliment. Instead of feeling bad for me, which is something I don't want, it's a way to make them smile. I try to give out more love than I receive. I used to have long blonde hair. Some mornings I wake up, look in the mirror, and expect to look like I used to. It's hard accepting that this is who I am when I don't even recognize myself. But it's not going to change anytime soon. So I might as well learn to love it, accept it, and love it. The apartment complex had no centralized fire alarm or sprinkler system. The fire was ruled and arson. But Zach Satterfield isn't bitter. He's inspired. Now 23 years old, he's doing frequent speaking engagements. He's on a mission to educate other students about fire safety. He just launched a fire safety foundation called Brighter Than the Fire. He's back to working towards his college degree in English. He plans to work as a teacher one day and attend law school and run for office 
Nothing's going to stop me, he says. Nothing is going to stop me. Beloved spiritual companions, acceptance does not mean that something is acceptable. But only when we accept that something is unacceptable can we begin to change it. Sometimes all that is left is acceptance. Acceptance and gratitude. Acceptance and love. I want to give Zach Sutterfield the last word. He says, love those around you. Recognize how precious every moment is. Be grateful for your life. Accept it and love it. Amen. And now for our benediction, I invite you to put your hands over your heart in Namaste. I bow to the divine in you. Please join me in the we version of the serenity prayer. God, grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change. Courage to change the things we can and the wisdom to know the difference. Let us keep this faith, beloveds, and pass it on. The service begins when the service ends. Bless your hearts. I love you. Amen. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace.